Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a bird, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Gain new knowledge, get a fresh new start. Day Network will bring you there. So let's talk about it when life and on the air. Good morning, this is Fran Lewis. This is Book Talk, and this is going to be really wild today. I'm hoping that everybody comes. Vincent Andrea is here. We're going to talk about characters that will do anything to get the job done, no matter how wild and crazy they are. And I'm waiting for Patrick Moore, Jim Nesbitt, and David Putnam. And Well, you know what? We'll just get it going. So when you create your characters, Vincent, are they they're socially intelligent? Or are they they're negative towards people? Or they're just out of their minds? Because when you create the characters, I'm trying to create one for my next book that's well, I have a couple that are just as crazy as yours. Yeah. Um, most of my characters, um, they always tend to be, you know, they're definitely unreliable narrators because I like to write mm-hmm. in first person mostly, as you know, because um, it gets you more into the story, I think. I like to read the first person too, but um, most of my characters are just, just turn out to be unreliable and kind of crazy, kind of cray-cray, you know? I mean, I have, a, like, you know, like the Marconi guy, he's not. He's, he's you know, he's solid. But let's face it, Moonlight is, is sort of crazy. He's unhinged anyway, right? He's touched. Yeah. As some people like, like to say. And uh, I, think, I think that's his beauty. I think that's why he's probably more popular than Marconi. And he's more fun to write. I mean, that, it's more fun to write, you know, people like that who are unhinged. I, I enjoy Moonlight. He's crazy, and he has fun, and he really doesn't care what he has to do. I just emailed no, everybody didn't. five times. I don't know where everybody is. They're sleeping or something? Seriously? I don't, you know, they might. They might. Usually, your show's on a Tuesday or a Thursday. They might have the days mixed up. That's why I, I emailed I, you too. I emailed Thinking them like, this morning. I don't know. I emailed them yesterday, and today I figured I would do this before I go to whatever later. And right. it's yeah, it's been a, it's been a rough fall. I can't say it on the air, but I I don't know what I'm going to do about that whole thing because I'm getting sandbagged. What can I tell you? Anyway, <laughs> well, I'm here well, for my you. new I don't know my new book. What I did was I took I looked in the mirror one day, got scared of right. my face, and said, <laughs> "What would you do if your mirror or mirror image could talk to you?" and tell you that you are the most evil person on this planet, and if you don't mend your ways or undo the damage that you did to somebody, you wind up as a face in the mirror. No, I'm serious. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Isn't well, that like uh, a fairy tale? No, this is really true. These people belong in the mirror. I have a few people that belong there. And, the, yeah. the, I mean... Like I, the first one I, I did was um, a Raggedy Ann doll that this lady destroyed the doll, and the doll was in the mirror and said, if you don't undo what you did to me, I'm going to do it to you. Lead us to say what happens. 
What can I right. say? Right. Oh, that's cool. Right. So every character, what traits are the same and what are outrageous? And Moonlight is like my favorite in the whole wide world. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't, it just, you know, these are the questions that, like, I always have difficulty answering because mm. I don't know how it comes out like that. And it's got to be just an extension of me, you know. Um, it's funny because my mother's always saying, like, I hope you're not like that. Mm. You know, and I'm like, I hope I'm not either. I hope I'm not a crazy son of, you know, whatever. Um, but it's just, you know, you write. My rule of thumb is you write whatever makes you happy. I don't even yeah. think of the audience at all. I write for me first, right? And mm-hmm. uh, and if I like what's going down on the page, and if I'm laughing, you know, and getting excited, then then you know, hopefully the reader will too. So. Um, that's just the char- type of character I'm drawn to. And it's the characters I've read, you know, um, like the James M. Cain characters are just despicable, but you can't help but like them and want to follow their story. And Jim Crumley's characters are all crazy, and uh, you know. But then you go to, like, something like Spencer, and um, and I know I'm sounding like an old-timer here and dating myself with these authors, but... Um, uh, but you go to Fenster and he's straight up, you know, like he's not crazy at all. He's just, he's brave and he's every man, you know. So I like that too to a point. Well, I, I went through some of the crazy people in in America, you know, whatever. And there's right. Mengel, there's all those crazy, crazy uh, stories that people write. And I, I read one where there was a doctor that purposely gave um, his patients the wrong anesthesia. Then there's another one that oh purposely God. gave them the wrong medicine so that they would die. That's Mengel. I, w- I went through this. This is yesterday. Yesterday. I was like this morning going, this is really cool. And then there wow. is, um, of course, the, 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 man, the man that killed everybody. And then it's hard to believe right. that Basar Assad was once reserved as an ophthalmologist. And needless to say, what he did to people's eyes. So every time I go to the ophthalmologist, I make sure that, you know, it's safe to go there. It's really scary. I don't know what that is. That's a smoke alarm, sorry. Oh, that's it's very right. very sensitive. Very I sensitive. A lot of that. Yeah, I know, and I'm just like, I've been watching the news a lot about this hurricane. There's like five of them out there. Oh, I know. Uh, you, did, did you, Dodger Stadium is like buried underwater. I know, it's like scary. And my niece is in one of those places, and I'm going to text her later. Oh, no. So... How do you create a character? Now, Moonlight, he, he doesn't always get caught, does he? He doesn't no. always get caught. No, he doesn't. And um, I have a feeling it's just the two of us. This is amazing. They, I can't believe this. <laughs> I just emailed them and said, you need to call in now. And Jim Nesmith emailed me yesterday, when should I call in tomorrow? And they told him. And everybody is in uh, regular Eastern Standard Time. Nobody is someplace else except for David Putnam. So... They don't I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's me. Thank God it's you. <laughs> I'm not going yeah, on radio with him. <laughs> with Jim? The guy who's oh, got he's... the guy who's going to be releasing 25 books this year alone. Well, that that's good because if this book doesn't take off, I quit. That's it. No, you know, I mean, 
It's, it's, I think it's one of my craziest ideas. I think it's great. I mean, I did research on this one. I got criticized right. for um, accusations because there were, I didn't realize it was a suicide story, and I didn't really want to put the numbers in. I just wanted it to be a, a story. And, of course, right. Austin and I wrote whatever. So with this one, I, just, I did uh, – this is a story about a, a makeup artist that uses toxic makeup, and there is such a thing as toxic makeup. So right. I, I wrote about how she destroyed people's faces, and I thought that was very brilliant of me. See, I think that's awesome. I, I think that's um, very Twilight Zone. I know. I love the Twilight Zone. But my favorite you program too. is I Thought I Would Get Away With It. Right. And the other one is Vanished. So in in Quietly in the Night, how did you create a female character, I loved her, that was so diabolical and horrible? <sighs> Um, I gotta remember the story. <laughs> Which book was that? Um, that's Down and Out just brought brought that out, right? Yeah. Um, I gotta like. Okay. Wait, Wait hang a minute. On. Let me see I if I can find the review on my phone. Because yeah. my phone is right me, in front um, of me. I, I just can't believe that these people didn't call nothing. That's, I'm gonna have a fit. That's not uh -oh. right. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to. Um, no, no more Fran. I know. I, well, there were a couple of people that are that were kind of rude and stuff. So what can I say? And I, I told them, you know, the next time you that's, that's, that's the one with the guys on the train. Yeah. And uh, eats up with the punk rock lady. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Here it is. I See, got it. She's okay. going to Albany. Yeah. Read, read a little. Yeah. Would you Would you do this if you went to bed after a long day and woke up on the train headed for Albany? This is the one with right. you know who. So just how did you get yes. to the train and how you found it? Norman is the guy. Right. Right. Yep. 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 And, and I, he's a famous and author, and he wakes up. Right. Okay. See, the, you know what the problem is? I wrote this book about four years ago, mm. and it just took that long for it to come out, so I've forgotten about it. Um, but now I remember vividly, of course. Um, yeah, it was based on – Quietly Into the Night was based on two things. It was based on mm. – um, an old movie from the 40s that took place on a train, and it also was based on um, Norman Mailer's uh, um, An American Story, I think he calls it. Is that right? Mm -hmm. um, where yeah. he throws he throws a he throws a guy off the uh, um, like the, the presidential nominee throws a guy off a building, and you know, and I got both those things into my story. Um, but I thought, like, you know, and then, I, of course, I made the whole thing my own, but, like, I thought, like, what what happens if you're going through this, like, craziness and you you go to sleep at night and you, you end up you end up um, in, another, in another city? And then, like, what if you think you're mm -hmm. the one going crazy, but you're not? You're being manipulated by somebody. And it turns out it's being manipulated by his... Uh, the wife he got back together with again. Yeah, this was my, like, I started writing this book when, uh, after 
I got back, in, in reality, I got back together with my ex-wife, which was a mistake. And then she kicked me out again. And uh, oh, so, God. I, <laughs> so this, this, that's, that's why I started writing this. Well, you know what? I've been sandbagged this week by somebody that I thought oh, no. I could count on. And they went and they told somebody high up in law enforcement that I refused to collaborate for whatever reason. And it was a lie. And I, there's nothing I could do about it because they just don't quite get it. The people that are supposed to, I'm being very careful what I'm saying, um, refuse to refuse to recognize the fact that I, I have been cooperating, and the person that I cooperated sandbagged me and told the person in charge that I refused to comply. And uh, oh you know God. something you could, yeah, this has been going on for quite some time. And on top of which, I told told the person that's supposed to be whatever, I signed sixty six more forms claiming that the ones that the person had are no longer good, and they lied. They were good. And they mm-hmm. did it on purpose so that I would give permission for them to talk to people. And what can I say? So right. what can I do there? Yeah. So who is the most outrageous person you've ever... Oh, here we go. Somebody actually came. Who is this? <laughs> Hello. Who finally is, got here? This is Jim Nesbitt. I'm sorry I'm late. So is everybody okay. else, but it's okay. It's just you and Vincent. So we've been talking hey, about Vincent, Vincent created hey, outrageous characters. And how did you create Ed Earl? Because he's nuts too, which is good. Well, he's he's still around. And, uh, you know, I, I, um, I, I, when I was, you know, first writing, uh, writing my first book, um, I wanted a character who was the, uh, you know, deeply flawed and human, you know, because I thought that that would make him more accessible to the reader, more of an everyman. And uh, I didn't want him to be super smart or sharp like Philip Marlowe or um, Sam Spade. And I didn't want him to be super cool like Bullet, you know, like Steve McQueen and Bullet. So um, I was going for a much more (laughs) down-to-earth character. And... uh, you know, screwed up, bit of a burnout. Um, you know, all the warts and uh, scars that all of us have after we've lived a little bit of life. Well, he's he's he he will do anything he possibly can, but sometimes he gets roped into something and he doesn't realize that it's not the right thing to get roped into. He has to be really oh, careful. So, did you model well, him think... after anybody that's really crazy and dangerous? <laughs> Probably my, all my journalism. My question for Probably today. All, my, all my journalism friends, and and sometimes the guy that looks back at me in the mirror. But um, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I he he got defined by action, and he's been defined by action as he's gone along through what now four books now seems to be a fifth, and. Um, you know, I I I just kind of um, um, let him speak to me about who he wanted to be as the as as the as the writing unfolded. 
Well, it, it's 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 scary. And you, know, you mentioned a mirror. Well, I was just telling Vincent that my next book is called Mirror Image, and there's a person that looks at you in the mirror, it's yourself, except it's the way you're going to look if you don't repent on what you did. And if you don't, you too become a face in the mirror, and your alter ego comes out. That's my sickness for today. No, seriously. So I, I just, you know, I'm trying to get an idea of how you write somebody that's completely out of their mind. And oh, well, it, it, you know, he's got some things that keep him grounded, but uh, he's also got um, um, other areas. Where he, you know, the 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 brakes have worn out on uh, any type of restraint. So uh, yeah, um, yeah, he can he can. Uh, he definitely believes in doing what it takes to get, you know, get where he wants to go, whether he, when he's chasing bad guys. So, um, yeah, he can turn into a, you know, a scary dude, uh, you know, where he's, uh, you know, sapping the hell out of a, uh, uh, a guy who's got information that uh, he needs to, you know, track down the killer of a rancher. I mean, that's, that's pretty... Uh, pretty scary stuff i mean he's you know he's, he, mm. he has no he has no uh no um hesitation to you know use brutality if he feels like it's uh what he needs to do to get where he needs to go well vincent i will wonder what happened if, if ed Earl and moonlight went together you think maybe they would <laughs> kill, kill people and get it done together because they, they, they're both outrageous but i love them both i think it would be pretty violent I think That's it would good. be nicely violent. It would be the kind of book I would want to I would want to read. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's. Uh, I think. I mean, I'm, I'm careful not to take him too far over the top to where you don't um, no longer like the guy, or I'm right. careful to make to make the make the bad guys worse than he is. So that you stick to, um, uh, you know, kind of, kind of stay with Ed Earl. That's amazing. Yeah, they got, they, you know, they they got to be like, they got to be beating somebody up or, you know, or doing whatever they're doing to somebody in the name of sort of in the name of justice or what's right or, you know, the other guy's got to be far more despicable. You know, yeah. then then, then people will root for you. Well, what yeah, happens I mean, if like, the police come out on them? Do they ever get arrested, or does Mule have some? He has an in with somebody in the police department, right? Yeah, it's usually the police department that's hiring them because it's some crazy ass case that either they can't handle because they're understaffed, or um, you know, there's politics involved, so they don't want to touch it, or uh, it's just too, it's just, just too dangerous. And Moonlight's got that little piece of bullet in his head, so, like, he can die at any moment. So he's like, I'll do it. You know, plus he's always broke. <laughs> so he'll do anything to make them rant, you know. Um, so there's all sorts of reasons. Sounds like my you know. guy. Sounds yeah. like my guy. Cause he, he, you know, it's like, um, you know, he lost his gold shield uh, decades ago, and he's exactly. always kind of longing to get it back. But in the meantime, you know, you gotta put, you know, you got to pay the rent. So uh, right, uh, and, and he winds up getting tossed into, you know, he he, he winds up um, he's in debt to a shyster lawyer, uh, Fat Willie, 
And Fat Willie <laughs> keeps setting them up for really, like, mm-hmm. nasty cases. So, yeah. you know, and but usually, you know, he, he's got an in with the local law enforcement or some power brokers or, you know, what have you, or he's not... He's not totally out in the cold, even in a strange locale. Right. That, 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 how do you decide where to put them, though? I mean, Moonlight could wind up anywhere, and I love Norman. I felt so bad for him, and I love the ending of that book. That was outrageous, Quietly Into the Night. And is, is Moonlight going to pick up another girlfriend in this new one that's coming out? Uh, the next one is Divorce by Moonlight. It's a 90-page 90, 90 novella. Um, but uh, Down and Out's putting out um, Moonlight Sonata. No, 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 no. Fal- the Moonlight Falcon, which for obvious reasons mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of a takeoff of uh, the Sam Spade book. But, um, um, yeah, he's always, like, hooking up with a new girl or whatever and for the wrong reasons. But most of the time um, – she she wants something from him. So like this time, mm. he hooks up with uh, with a barmaid who works at actually this bar that exists in Albany, the After Street Pub, and it's like the only um, mm. it's the only uh, Jim. How can I say this? Well, in front of a lady, um, friend, hold your ears for a second. Mm-hmm. Plug your ears for a second. I'm going to say it's the only true titty bar left in Albany. <laughs> where, where, and it gets, it gets, it gets. Okay, Fran, you can un- unplug your ears. But, um, Thank you. <laughs> and it, it, honest, it, it honestly gets rated like once a month, and the girls got to like put pasties on, but they just put this clear stuff over their nipples or whatever, and they they play bas- thong basketball and all this sort of stuff. And anyway, he hooks up with one of, the, and they're mostly college girls trying to get their way through like yeah. grad school and stuff, you know, and uh, um, you know. And it's all men. You, it's one of those bars you walk in, right, Jim? And, like, everybody stops and turns and looks at you. You know, yeah. like, you know. You know it's yeah. like, and your, your heart sort of races a little bit. Yeah. And your heart sort of races a little bit. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah Moonlight hooks up with Moonlight. learn how to ignore getting stared at, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, yeah. You, or you stare right back, you know, one of the, one or the other. Yeah. So, yeah, um, Exactly. Yeah, I mean, well, my guy's my guy's similar. He's a little older now, and uh, mm. he's he's uh, learning that uh, the the women he used to uh, cavort with quite readily and would kind of come into his life, um, they're not showing up as often as they used to. Uh, uh-huh. So uh, he's you know he's dealing with the um, you know I I, I guess. I guess I got him in his late fifties or early sixties now, and, and uh, he's, you know, learning the uh, bitter truth that all of us learn uh, at that age, and have some of the maladies that uh, that uh, I personally experienced. Uh, although I try to not make him too much like me, but uh, he's right. you know he's still tough, and he can still you know do what he needs to do to get get the job done and if that means shooting somebody fine he's fine with that or duking it out you know he's, right, he's still got right. you know he's still got enough moves but he he's also you know getting aware of the limitations of uh, uh you know of his physical limitations as he ages well i don't think about that ever 
And I don't even, I, as a matter of fact, what I've, what I've been trying to, to do is something with age discrimination. And in December on the 7th, I'm doing something with teenage alcohol and drug substance that with an author that wrote a book about that, um, Girl on Trial, and how a 16-year-old girl got conned by her own mother and, and father. And it's bothering me that, exactly, that I, I got on the phone the other day, and I never tell anybody how old I am because I really don't know. And the person said, what's your date of birth? I go, it's pick one. And they they really, they were serious. I said, pick one. And they said, what month are you born in? Whatever you think. I wouldn't tell them. Because the minute you tell somebody how old you are, the minute they think you're retarded and can't think for yourself. So I just right. skip telling them. I don't even know. And I said, but I don't look that old. And they go, well, that's beside the point, and I don't care. So... Every one of your characters has to have make a hard and fast decision. But is there ever a situation where they made the decision and said, why did I do that, or it made it worse? Um, well, at least in the moon, for Moonlight, like uh, when he stresses out, that that bullet's lodged up against his cerebral cortex, so... Um, Mm. Whenever he's in stressful situations, his brain will literally inflame. So he carries around a bottle of Advil with him, um, and sometimes he actually passes out. Um, but other times he just makes a stupid-ass decision because it, it affects his decision-making ability. And uh, so that's why – and it, it's it's only getting worse. But, again, like like the Tin Man, you know, the Tin Man, you know, does does he really not have a heart or just does he believe he doesn't have a heart? And so, like, you know, the professionals Moonlands are working with, they're like, you know, this is all, no pun intended, it's all in your head, dude. But uh, but in any case, that's this is why he hangs around with Fat Elvis a lot, you know, or whatever, because he keeps <laughs> him grounded. You know? Who just called um, in? Is that you, David? Yes, it is. Sorry, I'm late. Oh, that's right. Hey, Dave. I was hey. born late. I was one lady, uh, tell me. So tell us about yeah, Bruno we, and why he's crazy. And how does he uh, create things that, he, that are dangerous? Because I read the Diabolical. you got to read it, people. It's really good. Well, sorry, we had, a hur- we had a hurricane last night, high winds, and I, I just overslept. I'm sorry. Um, Bruno, um, he's, he's uh, loyal, and he's not really crazy. Yeah. He just does things for the right reasons, but they're not necessarily legal all the time. And uh, in Diabolical, it's the first time that Bruno stays down in Costa Rica, and it's supposed to be paradise, and his little paradise gets disrupted by uh, violence. I know, and I got worried in the last one, the one that you just wrote. And how, how did they, I mean, they threatened him, right? They threatened him in this new one. And if he doesn't do yeah. what they say, they, he's going to have a problem. So how does he right. how do you create how does he he gets unyielding he's unscrupulous which I love and so is Ed Earl and so is all of Vincent's characters so how do you manage to get him out of it and yet sometimes I think he needs to have wear um, a body armor seriously <laughs> yeah um, he just uh, he uses his head and his past experience and uh, just works his way out of it I, I don't know. Well, I mean, my guy is because he spent a lot of time as a street cop, mm-hmm. and he uh, he still has those reflexes, and mm-hmm. he 
you know, he knows when he's fucked up, or excuse me, they screwed up, <laughs> but he, he, he's, not a, he's not a guy who lingers in self-doubt, you know. Uh, he can't afford to. So, um, you know, he's not oblivious, but he's uh, he's not somebody who's going to, um, you know, do a deep philosophical uh, uh, review of what he's done and why he's done it. Yeah, Bruno, he's all about family, so he really doesn't yeah. think about himself. He thinks more about protecting his children. So he, he's like in survival mode, and he does whatever he has to do at the time to protect his children. Well, how did he get away with I mean, he, he has a mole in Costa Rica, and thank God he did. And can they, if somebody comes in and knows, and this one is different, if somebody comes in, can they actually take those kids back? Well, I mean, the way, that would be scary. When I first put them in Costa Rica, it used to be that they didn't have an extradition treaty, and that's when I, about the third or fourth book in, um, I, yeah. I researched it, and and it was right. in '92 they had made this uh, extradition treaty, so uh, that puts that made him vulnerable, him and Marie both. So if he was picked up and extradited, then the kids would go to a, a orphanage in Costa Rica, not the mm. U.S. Oh, that, that would be horrible. Seriously. Yeah. But I don't know. The kids want to be with him. I know that. And poor Marie, I worry about him every, her every time he goes somewhere. So can anybody ever come in without her realizing it and, God forbid, kidnap one of the kids? And don't do that in one of the stories. They'd be very sad. It happened in The Vanquished where one of the yeah. children started acting out and they didn't know yeah. why he was, what the problem was. And Bruno's past violent life caught up with him. And when they took the child's uh, shirt off, there was a phone number and indelible ink on his back. And, and Bruno oh. called it, and it was, and it was um, the, uh, the biker gang that wanted him to come back to the U.S. so they, they could kill him. That is scary. That is really scary. Yeah. I mean, just listening to the news lately is scary, to be very honest. <laughs> but, but I didn't want to put the, the children in jeopardy too often because I've seen that in too many series yeah. where they kept putting the family in jeopardy. And really that's the only time besides this one where the family was in jeopardy. So out of 11 books, his family is only in jeopardy um, twice. Everyone goes back for other reasons to the U.S. to, uh, re- to uh, right wrongs. Well, like Jim Edderall and your character Bruno, and sometimes Moonlight too, they're asked to right. do a favor for somebody, and the favor is dangerous. So why do they they do it? Because Bruno does favors for people. Edderall has an older woman there that sometimes he does favors for, and Moonlight is just well, he branches out on his favors, and the police department. The, the, the way Edderall gets hooked is that. Uh, you know he uh, he he gets um, he he still wants to be a murder cop like he used to. Be. Mm-hmm. So if if dangles something in front of him that lets him be a man manhunter again, he'll 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 leap at that. Or you know as as he's gotten older, you know he's he does uh, he's looking for he's looking for some redemption. You know mm-hmm. on on. And so, 
he uh, kind of, as part of that, takes on a request for him from a dying old woman uh, in the latest book, The Dead Certain Doubt. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that she wants him to, to find and save her wayward granddaughter. And yep. uh, kind of a, it's kind of a knight's night, errant quest uh, that puts him back in West Texas where it seems like a lot of people want to make him dead. It seems like a yep. lot of people want to make Bruno and Moonlight dead. They can't, though. Would you ever clear? Would you, you wouldn't kill off the main character, but would you ever kill off a minor character in the book? And that's what somebody just did, and I was very upset. Seriously. Yeah, uh, it depends. I mean, like you know. Um, sorry, Dave. I don't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead, go ahead. You know, I've, I've come close to killing off Fat Elvis, but I know I can't because you can't. No. You know, Fat Elvis has become almost as popular as Moonlight, so. Um, I just wrote that one on a lark, you know, when I wrote Moonlight Weeps, and I, I thought I'll have him in for one episode, one book, and then you know he'll just fade off in the sunset or whatever. But like everybody kept asking, oh, you know, when are you bringing back Fat Elvis? When are you bringing back Fat Elvis? So I'm like, all right, he's <laughs> you know, and in fact now like half the time um, the plot will revolve around Fat Elvis being in trouble, and Moonlight's got to get him out of it. You know, whatever it might be. Well, you can't kill him off because my hairdresser read your book, and he's into Elvis, and he went heard of Fat Elvis, and he went crazy. So for real, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> piece of work. In the in the Bruno series, I uh, the, the the bad guy in the second book uh, was a real person I dealt with in real life, and I disliked oh, nice. him so much that that I killed him in the third book. I killed him off in the third book, and I sent the third book in to the publisher, and they said, "Oh, we love this book, but." You can't kill Drago. We like Drago. So I had to rewrite the book mm-hmm. and keep the guy, mm-hmm. and I carried him through the entire series. Well, I could give you somebody to use in his place if you'd like. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> it, it's, it's been one of those years. But before I forget, the twenty oh the 23rd on Wednesday, Cindy McDonald, Polonia's finale. On the 28th, the author of Blindside of Justice. On the 5th, somebody brand new that I've never interviewed before, she does Christian fiction. Her name is Sally Spade, and she, um, Beverly Spade, and she taught me how to write six-word stories. And I get published every month in her magazine for my crazy six-word stories. This week, I, this year, uh-huh. week I handed in 18 of them, six-word stories, and it's hard. On the 6th, somebody we all know and love, Deb Pines, Evil for Evil. And then on the 12th, somebody else we all know and love, Boyd and Elizabeth Morrison. On the 15th, John Lansing, 25 to Life. And what's better way than to top up most of of September? Tess Gerritsen, Spy Coast on the 20th. I really can't believe it. If anybody has anything coming out, um, October and November, September, October are gone, November a couple in December. Not too many left, so just going to let me know. So, if you had to give you um, one sentence or two sentences to describe um, the most unscrupulous thing that Bruno did, or any Vincent, you have the most unscrupulous characters at all. The one in the caretaker is 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 great, and the one in the the girl that got lost, the girl they couldn't find in the hotel, that that really got me. I mean, that, that ending oh, yeah. was like, oh, my God. How did you create that? 
I was like worried, and I'm saying, wait a minute, am I going to figure this out? I won't tell you. Oh, the girl who wasn't there? That's the, the ocean wasn't people? There, yeah, that was really good. Um, Seriously. That just proves I read all yeah. of them. Well, because I have a daughter, and, uh, um, and you know, whereas I also have two sons. I don't worry about the sons as much because they're tough. But, like, when you have a daughter, you worry about her getting lost or abducted or, you know, especially in this day and age. And so, like, it was mm-hmm. just, again, it was me playing. As an author, like, it's kind of like sometimes your fears will determine what your plot's going to be. And in this case, that, 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 that's what resulted. And I was like, oh, my God, what if we ever lost her? And you would do anything to get her back, anything. And you would kill anybody. You'd, you'd torture anybody. You would just do anything to get her back. Kind of like mm. David was talking about. And that's just what it's all about. I wonder today if somebody would actually do that with what's happening in the news. Sometimes you get these things where kids are missing because their parents don't even bother to look for them. They don't even know they're missing. Always by his friend. Right. They don't know. That That's what yeah. scares me. I mean, I had to walk around with my cell phone in my hand, and if I was five minutes late, I got grounded for a year. If I didn't call my mother and tell her where I was, well, she was another experience that nobody else would want, seriously. <laughs> so what was the most hard and fast, dangerous and threatening decision or situation that your characters ever got into? You just want one, Brian? Yeah. <laughs> uh, whatever. <laughs> as many as you well, can. <laughs> You, you you write for emotion and conflict is emotion. So you, you we have yeah. to put uh, conflict in every book on and every page actually. Yeah. So we have to put Bruno or or somebody that he loves in jeopardy in order for mm. um, th- to have the emotion. So in every book there has to be something that um, he has to do. Um, usually there's three plot lines, and the main plot line is what his main goal is. So uh, that jeopardy has to be there in every one of those main plot lines. Uh, I, I have mean, read to, books this You know, I to me, I, 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 I compare on. it to, like, you know, throwing Ed Earl in the West Texas Briar Patch again. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of <laughs> right. bad guys out there. And just by proximity and and him poking his nose where people, you know, don't think it belongs, that results mm-hmm. in uh, violence and action and, uh, you know, other activities that, that create drama and uh, conflict. Yeah. You asked what's the most unscrupulous thing. I mean, what left to mind uh, in, mm-hmm. in uh, the best lousy choice, he's trying to track down, uh, he's been hired to track down the killers of a um, uh, prominent rancher and... Uh, mm-hmm war hero, and he knows that um, a rather hard-nosed development company has been trying to get the rancher to sell his land, and um, he decides to um, um, brace uh, kind of the lead uh, attorney or uh, for, for the development project, and he knows that the guy's office is bugged, and he knows some uh, some pit men that that are wanting to make sure that nobody tells him what he wants to know. He's, they're mm-hmm. listening in, 
and he basically lies um, and, and tells, you know, accuses the guy of things he hasn't done and mm-hmm. says that, you know, that, that this guy has given him information he shouldn't have given him already and then walks out the door knowing that the two hitmen who were monitoring the bug, uh, you know, just outside the office are going to come in and kill the guy. And, you know, he, he did get one bit of information he needed out of the guy, and then he walks away and lets the guy get, you know, slaughtered by two hitmen. That's fairly unfortunate. I, I, I cried at the end of that one. I was like, oh, um, my God. I felt so bad. <laughs> that's what you're supposed that's to good. feel. You're supposed to feel the emotions. Yeah, that's, that means that you have Jim to did his job. Yeah, Brad, right. let, me, let, me, let me ask you, you felt bad for a lawyer? <laughs> I thought I thought uh, he would enjoy that lawyer getting killed off. So uh, yeah, I will for another reason. I'll have to email you that one. There there would okay. be really I I have a list of that of people that have been giving me a sandbag the last couple of years. So yeah, if you want to you know take take aim at anybody, I can give you the plot for your next book and the one after that and the one after that and the one after that. I found out that um, lawyers have a habit of embellishing the truth and changing it and twisting it <laughs> to make them look good, and you look bad. Yeah. They they like doing that. Go figure. Um, that, yeah, it's scary. Yeah, Bruno isn't. Um, I don't make him unscrupulous because uh, he yeah. ha- he's fighting for 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 what's right. So he never yeah. he never bush bushwhacks anybody. It's always in self defense. What I was shocked about was the first Reacher book, uh, Killing Floor, when mm-hmm. Reacher uh, tracks these two guys down, or, or he's on the road, I can't remember, and then he just says in one sentence, uh, then I shot them both in the back and killed them. And I, I was just stunned that, that, that a character could do that. But um, that's, that's the persona of, of Jack Reacher. But Bruno, is he, he has that ability in him to do that, but he doesn't because... Uh, he has to do what's right in his mind, and shooting somebody in the back would not work with him. He'd give him a chance first, I think. Yeah, I would never have my character shoot anybody in the back. Yeah. No, a lot, a lot of the books I've been code. reading are that. They're, they're all like that, shooting somebody in the back, and yeah. like no remorse, and then they get away with it. And that, does, you know, <laughs> if kids read the books or whatever, you begin to wonder, like, what are you teaching them? I mean, you're right. just Well, to having, the having, having been... Having been sucker punched in a bar, yeah, uh, you know, I would I would never shoot anybody in the back. Maybe that guy would if I ever find him again. <laughs> he ran away. So how do you decide how do decide the villain? How do you decide who deserves to get shot in the back? Maybe not. <laughs> the bad guy. Well, I think in Ed Earl's case, I mean, he'll do yeah. whatever you know whatever he feels like is the right move to make. Uh, and even, you know, that may be shooting somebody in the back. Uh, but it's it, it's it's usually about uh, somebody he's judged to be a scumbag and deserves it. Uh, that makes him yeah. judge and jury, but, you know, he's not going to do that as a matter of, uh, a matter of course. Uh, he's mm-hmm. going to come walking in straight, you know, straight through the front door and, uh, Confronting somebody, but you know he's done some he's done some uh, you know dirty deeds, uh, but it's always 
it's always a guy who, as they say in West Texas, it's always a guy what needed killing. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. that, that's the West Texas self-defense clause. Why, Your Honor, he needed killing. <laughs> that's great. Uh, the, the problem is you have to make a, a crook heinous in order for uh, yeah. to motivate him to be to be killed by the good guy. And the problem is that you can't make him all bad because he turns into a caricature. So for the bad guys, yeah. you got to give him flaws. And a flaw for a bad guy is humanity. you got to give him a dash of humanity. Otherwise, he mm-hmm. turns into that character. Uh, the right. same thing with uh, a good guy. A good guy can't be all good. Oh, he turns into a superhuman. You have to give him flaws. Right. <clears throat> right. Well, if there are no flaws, then you get bored reading them. And we know how many books I've read, and <laughs> it's scary. Sometimes I, I, what I really hate is a book with, like, five plots. Then I have to get my graphic organizer from when I taught reading and try to figure out where to go with them. That makes it really hard. Yeah. 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 I agree. So, so your character, is your character ever heartless villain, or does your uh, main character ever feel bad about doing something, or unrelenting personalities? Or does the character have both good and bad qualities and evil? Somebody, characters, whether they're, you know, protagonists or antagonists, um, they, uh, you know, shades of gray, you know, flaws, uh, you know, writing them that way is going to make things far more interesting than giving them a white hat or a black hat. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, because nobody, nobody is all one thing or all the other, you know. So uh, it, it's it, it's the shades of gray that make you know make for interesting conflict and uh, character development. Yeah, there was a a book called Dirty White Boys by Stephen Hunter, mm-hmm. and in the right, book, a, a straight a state trooper gets killed, and the, and the author Hunter alternates chapters. The, the escaped prisoner who's running from the state trooper detective who's chasing him, and then the mm-hmm. next chapter is the detective that's chasing him. So each time, because of the skill of the author, you're going, get away, get away, run, run from those cops. And the next chapter, you're, you're cheering for the detective. So it was an amazing book for that, in that respect because he was able to paint the bad guy uh, in a good light when he needed to, and then the good guy. It was a, I really liked the book. That sounds that sounds like something that I might have reviewed. I reviewed so many books, but that sounds unfortunately very very familiar. It does yeah, but then sometimes you get a book where the villain sort of takes over and it loses something. And I I've been I've been watching a lot of these murder crazy programs. I thought I'd get away with it. Vanished. Uh, evil person lives here. They're my favorites. Um, Dateline 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 Unforgettable And the other day I watched something With uh, this guy Who described How he murdered somebody And he actually is in prison And described how he got Thought he'd almost get away with it So I mean Your characters are not that bad I don't think But would you create a character That would ever be Was it ever based on somebody real? Well I did with the uh Chris, oh, I'm sorry, um, in uh, Murder by Moonlight, that book was yeah. based on um, the Chris Porco um, 
the Chris Porco thing that happened up in uh, up in in Albany, um, where mm-hmm. uh, this uh, college student drove back to his parents' house in the middle of the night and grabbed a fireman's axe out of the basement mm-hmm. or out of, out of the garage and proceeded to hack his parents up in the bed while they were sleeping, and he he almost killed the mother. And he mm. almost killed the father. The father was okay enough in the morning to actually get up, and and he but his brain was bashed in. So like he thought he he couldn't feel any real pain. So he's bleeding all over the place, and he kept dabbing himself with toilet paper, thinking. And he went downstairs, and this was the telltale, the telltale move. Um, he wrote a five hundred dollar check to his son. <laughs> and then oh, he walked he walked back into the vestibule and dropped dead from blood loss. And his mother, his, you guys heard about this on national television. His mother lost no. her eye and, and half her jaw, and she pointed him out. She 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 fingered fingered him as the killer, but then she defended him in a court of law and said, "No, I was under duress, and he didn't do it." But the kid now is serving like two two life two life sentences or whatever. It's hard to believe. Anyway, I bet. It's hard to believe you could right. almost kill somebody with an axe. With a I, I know. I know. The kid you know was, I, mean? I don't know how he didn't. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he botched. He botched it. No doubt about it. But, yeah. Wow. In my in my second book, I wrote it. I wrote it after a character that I chased in real life, and he was the most mm. uh, social sociopath, psychopath person mm. I ever met. And his name was James Lawless in real life, and that's the guy I, I renamed as Carl Drago. Yeah, and cool. is he coming back? He's coming back, I know, a couple of times. So before yeah. I go, what are you what are you working on, um, Jim? What's coming out next? So I have to put everybody on my schedule. I I've I've got the got the notion and idea for a fifth editorial book. Um mm-hmm. it's tentatively titled The Fatal Saving Grace. And oh, nice. uh, uh and I'm gonna Put Ed Earl out in West Texas and drop the fiction that he's a a Dallas guy because my books always seem to have him out in the country someplace. He's going to be a he's going to get a gold shield and be a sheriff's investigator, uh, or maybe not, or maybe not. You know, I mean he. Uh huh. I remember that. In the last book, he's teetering uh, between that age-old desire to be uh, to have a gold shield again and the notion that. You know, I've been out here knocking around so long as a semi-outlaw. Am I just fooling myself that I really want to be a lawman again? So we're going to definitely get him out of Dallas, but it, it, it'll be a you know a point of tension on whether or not he keeps the badge or you know goes back to his old ways. Well, you could do a little of both, maybe. You never know. Who knows? Well, he always does. So- I mean, David, he, you're he, coming out he, with Diabolical, and David's coming on on February 26th, and John Lind is coming on on February 28th, and David, so to give us a, give them a little hint about Diabolical. That was really, it, the title fits people really. <laughs> um, I, I also have a book, uh, the second the second book in the Dave Beckett series coming out this October, and it's called. Oh, a you Lonesome gotta send Blood it to Red me Sun. definitely. A Lonesome Blood Red Sun. And I also have another series starting in January. It's called The Blind Devotion of Imogene. And I have two of those oh, nice. books done, and it's a, it's a three-book contract. 
and that one is about a 73-year-old woman who gets out of prison after 10 years for doing murder, and she has to negotiate life, uh, and she mm. has a lot of different problems. Um, the Diabolical is, is out in January. Uh, the Insidious is, is done as well uh, for the next Bruno book. Uh, Diabolical is the first book, like I said, is set entirely in Costa Rica. Bruno never leaves, and uh, mm. violence comes to visit paradise in, in, in a very big way, and Bruno's caught between uh, solving who, who did the, uh, the shooting or going back to prison. Uh, he's put in that uh, dilemma by the, by the cops, the Costa Rican cops. And, Vincent, what do you have besides Moonlight coming out that I'm going to get? And Chase Baker, too? Yeah, I have um, The Plumber just came out. That's a Steve Jobs. And Chase Baker and the, really Pyramid, Pyramid, thanks. and the Pyramid of Madness just came out last week as well. You'll get a copy of that. Um, oh, good. The Moonlight Falcon comes out. They haven't given me a pub date, but um, it should be out in the next couple of months. Divorce by Moonlight will be out. And I have... I have 25 titles coming out between this time now and next year. Uh, 25 what? Yeah. 25 that titles. Is that is good much because the, the post office is not anything. If you send it from Amazon, I get it. If you send it to the post office, it could take five years from next Wednesday. I have a whole oh, bunch nice. of authors that I have to interview, and the post office <laughs> hasn't brought anything in over two weeks. I was lucky oh, that I God. got for September 12th for Boyd and Elizabeth Morrison, The Last True Templar. And that's interesting, too. So where can everybody find out everything about all of you? Um, you can find out about my stuff on davidputnambooks.com. And, Jim, where can we find out all about you and Ed Earl? And, all your, and your um, posts are hilarious sometimes, by the way. I really uh, you, you can find out more about the the... Violent World of Ed Earl Birch at gymnasticbooks.com uh, <laughs> or, you know, Google me or Google me. Look me up on uh, Amazon at www.amazon.com, author, gymnast. And, Vincent, where can we find out about you and your, what is it, almost 200 books you have almost already? Yeah, it'll be, uh, I'll be up to about 175 pretty soon. That's um, right, right. Let's see. I mean, they're written, so I mean, it, you know, published. I got about 130, 150. Um, but some of those are novellas too. But let's see. Just go to www.vinzandry.com, vinzandry.com, v-i-n-zandry.com. Brand new website. Well, I'm very impressed with myself because I have 12,000 words for the next one, <laughs> and nice. that's the most words I've ever. <laughs> ever written and I can't promise that anybody's going to like it but some of my crazy stories but thank you guys so much everybody have a everybody have a great day let me know when everything's coming out everybody have a great day stay safe and bye bye Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.